I've had some people here at, in Arizona discover the podcast either on their own or like I'll say something offhand and they're like, why do you know so much about cat domestication? And I have to be like, well, <laughs> I have a shameful secret. Yeah. Well, that means our SEO is working for the for the previous group of people. That's true. Well, I think what it is is if you search my name, there's not there's no other Tegan Mulferts. Oh, that's nice. And so the podcast comes up, as does everything I've ever done academically. Well, that's solid. There's not really other Rebecca pages, but I don't really make much of a much of an impact on the internet. This is sorry. I'm trying to figure out how I can sit without. I'm just gonna be reclining the whole time. I'm trying to figure out how to make you big, so I'm not looking at myself the whole time. Although I do kind of like the lighting situation. I'm like shrouded in darkness. You are. Sh- Wait, yeah, say, explain to the listener. Number one, I tried, we're on Zoom. We're recording this uh, virtually. Apart. Apart. We can't, we can't touch, which is something we don't normally do. No, no, but- it's something we're always doing. When, when you listen to the podcast, you'll know that. My we're hand- always holding hands. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I noticed you have a beverage. <laughs> I do. Okay, first off, I walk in here, realize that I didn't charge my computer last night, and <laughs> that's not good because no. we need to Zoom. And so I was, like, looking desperately for an outlet, and I thought that I found, like, this power bar on the outside that has, like, a little inlet into the booth, so I tried that. Yeah. It doesn't work. So I was looking good. around trying to find a solution, and there is one extension cord with one outlet. That controls the lights in the booth. So I just had to unplug the lights so I could speak to you. I've also been getting really into sparkling water because I was trying to drink less sugar. So now... Interesting. What? Hmm. No, just an interesting thing. You disagree? No, I just... I I think you will... I'm assuming you did not read my notes, which are labeled, Don't Open Becca. Don't... No, I didn't. Is it about sugar? Is it about sparkling things? What's it's happening? not about sugar, but... Um, is it about carbonation? It's kind of. Because I know that that's acid that's also bad for me, but I thought that I would just... No, 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 difference. no. no. Oh, okay. We're not We're not going to demonize anything today. Oh, okay. Well, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I know this is so weird. How do, how do I get you to ask me yeah, a question? Yeah, normally I'm the one who's like leading you in circles. This is kind of hard. You do kind of a hard thing. Well, it, do- it doesn't work, so. No, it doesn't. But I'll keep going. When you go to the movies, which you do often. Not lately. I haven't. Neither have I. I was like, man, I, I move away from Becca and I suddenly don't go to movie theaters anymore. But also we only have one movie theater and like all showings stop at 8 p.m. And wow. I'm just, yeah, that's I'm like a either. 10 p.m. showing also, girl. There's not a lot of great stuff in theaters right now. Like I'll let no. you know when you need to. <laughs> Thank you. Waddle your, you don't waddle. Uh, mosey your way down there. <laughs> I can waddle. I can be a duck. What was I? Oh, when you go to the movie theater, what do you get food-wise? I get an icy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes popcorn. A blue icy. What's, what's a blue icy made out of? Sugar water. Another word for that might be... Ambrosia. <laughs> <laughs> Some might call it lolly water. Some might call it pop. Well, pop Some needs might to be call carbonated. it a, 
Uh, so, oh, ICs are carbonated. What they are? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. How? That's part of what, what gives the. That's part of what gives the like. Like it's not just the fact it's frozen, but that's why it has that like texture to it that other frozen drinks don't have. I don't drink other it's carbonation. Frozen drinks, so I just assume that's what all frozen drinks are like. Oh no no no! Uh, that's why ICs are superior. As our Slurpees, they're kind of the same. So we're talking about soda? We're talking about soda, baby. Cool. Yeah, you you talked about you talked about uh, sparkling water and stuff, and I was like, well, soda. That's actually That's crazy, soda. because I have never brought a sparkling water to the podcast before. It was like my subconscious knew. <laughs> and what's even crazier is I literally, usually I end up drinking a soda in the morning or... I get a coffee or whatever, but like this morning I drank a juice, like a naked juice. It wasn't even... See, I would love so, I would love to drink juice. And then I went to the grocery store and I was like, juice is weirdly expensive. Oh, juice is so expensive. Yeah. We had we have to get the like big one and then split it up into littler containers or whatever. That's cute. Okay, do you have a question about soft drinks you want to ask me? Yeah. Um how do how how did the bubbles get in soda pop? You know that answer because you did sparkling water. Oh, yeah. You just... You should know. Yeah. You should know. Well, remember how nothing I say on the podcast sticks in my brain? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, well, no. They, they they add oxygen to it? Almost. Carbon dioxide? There you go. They add carbon dioxide. Okay, fine. Well, okay. So I already know everything there is to know about soda. What do you want me to that ask? That is not true. You do not know everything there is to know about soda. It's actually, I will, here's a good question. Um, ask me why it's called, people call them soft drinks. Oh, I know the answer to that though. <laughs> what the heck? Why but do you I, know? I can pretend not to know. <laughs> well, because I had that question and then I looked it up and it's because it's because it was an alternative to hard drinks, right? To hard liquor. Yeah, yeah. Hard, hard being alcoholic. Okay, so we got that out of the way. Okay, hey Tegan. Yes, Becca. Coke or Pepsi? Dr Pepper. Can you be more specific? Actually, yes, I can. Welcome to Be More Specific, where a film student, me, and an entomologist, me, walk into a podcast and walk out with a question answered. I'm Tegan. And I'm Becca. (laughs) Uh, That might be our stupidest one yet. It's such a nothing burger. Um, Okay, so what do you you call soda, like in your house? Soda. But if I want to be... Like growing up, soda? Yeah, it was just soda, but my dad would sometimes call it pop. And mm. when I want to be cute and folksy, I'll call it pop. Yeah, pop's good. I like, I know people in California who would just, all of it was Coke. Oh. Yeah, people called it Coke and I was I was working at a car hop and people would be like, oh, can I have a Coke? And I would be like, okay, sure. And I'd write it down and they'd be like, yeah, I want a Coke. Could, could I get a Sprite? Like, like they were using the <laughs> word Coke for soda. If then statements, yeah. <laughs> and I was always like... So then I had to start being, people would be like, oh, can I have a Coke? And I'd be like, sure, what kind? And then the people who meant like, oh, can I have a Coca-Cola would be like, just normal. Like they'd get so rude. And I was like, it's not my fault. We live in a melting pot. But um, yeah, so uh, other terms people use, fizzy juice, which is, I think if you want to be real, like, I don't know, like, wow, look, I'm so... 
I'm from the country. You could be like, oh, can I have some of that fizzy juice? If, yeah, if you and want then, somebody to ask you questions, say fizzy Call it fizzy juice. juice. <laughs> yeah. There's also lolly water is another term. I've maybe in, heard like, that. That sounds like a, like a fairy nectar. It does sound like a fairy nectar. Fade nectar. Um, tonic is also used uh, in a lot of regions of the world. Hmm. But it, it's really, it depends on the region you happen to be in. And for us, for this conversation, we will be using the definition for soda, meaning any water-based flavored drink, usually carbonated with an added sweetener or flavor. So sparkling water isn't soda. That is because it has oh, added, it has added flavor. sweetener. Sorry. Or flavor, yeah. Sparkling water, to me, is like water that is sparkling. I think, and we'll get into this at the end, I think the current trend of calling things that are soda, like sparkling water, is just people trying to like undo the messy branding that soda's gotten over the years. Yeah. I wonder, so this one, it says purified carbonated water and natural flavors. Is sweetener included in the natural flavors? Yeah, probably. I mean, natural sweetener is still a sweetener. Yeah. And I know she's drinking Waterloo. Yeah, so it's like zero <laughs> which, calorie, but that doesn't. But it's also sweeter than it would be otherwise because it has peach flavoring. Like technically, if you put enough aspartame in, it it'll do. It'll have yeah. a calorie, but like <laughs> that'd be a lot of aspartame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For this purpose, it's just gonna be like some things don't call themselves soda. But I'm making the hot take that they are. So in order to understand soda, we have to understand that people don't like drinking water that much. Like, people want to drink not water. And that's been happening for a very, very long time. That's interesting already. Yeah. (laughs) I think you're right. Yeah. In general, there's this, like, draw to drinking not water. And also... Cold water for a period of time was considered dangerous and bad for one's health. And that is probably also due to the fact that most like cold water sources like rivers and even like natural springs um, in like city centers would have been contaminated with like human sewage or dead animals. So if they wanted to drink water, which they had to, they would have to boil it and then like Mm -hmm. it would either be hot or room temperature. And have you ever have you ever boiled water and then drank in it right after? Yeah. It's it not tastes like horrible. Yeah. And so it makes sense that the next step would be like, oh, well, what if I add a little bit of this like berry or whatever, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And so tea, licorice water, and other juices have been popular since the 16th century, which is pretty far back. That's, I feel like if you go further back, you get into like, what records do we have territory? <laughs> you know? Right. Like the Egyptians, because they were doing yeah. all kinds of stuff. Probably well, put something. In we their know water. the Egyptians from our chocolate episode were drinking hot hot cocoa at the very That's least, true. or a version of so, it. So you remember everything we said on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, no, my my mind's a steel trap. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish my mind is a steel trap for celebrity names, and that's it. Real quick, I do want to also. I want to shout out. There's this book I read called Soda and Fizzy Drinks, A Global History by Judith Levin. And that's where, like, most of this is from, because Judith, Judith Judith did her her work. work. Yeah. Yeah. We're so proud of Judith. (laughs) I love that. Woman. I love that for you, Judith. Something I've realized lately is that women haven't made as many movies as men. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's really annoying. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. 
In the 16th century in Italy, Italians would drink lemonade. And by 1676, there's records of these people. They were like lemonade sellers and they had like, like a union essentially. And they would sell lemonade from tanks strapped to their back. So they'd walk <gasps> around with these tanks strapped to their back and like fill up people's cups with like these little like hoses. Yeah. It wasn't fizzy at this point, right? It was just lemon. Not carbonated, but it is this like this need to drink not water that yeah. I want to hit on. Yeah. So did it have sugar in it? Did. Okay. Yeah. Lemon sugar. Yeah. Food historian J.C. Drummond estimates that a 17th century English boy might have drunk three pints a day of what they called small beer, which was like a low alcohol, alcoholic drink, but it was 500 to 600 calories um, per day, and it was considered a healthful drink. And it's not just like, I read that and I was like, okay, what, like, wow, let's get the kids drunk, the working class, right? <sighs> Turns out... <laughs> That, like, part of the reason why beer was so popular and continues to be so is it has a ton of electrolytes. And so if you're working in the fields, yeah, like, a beer in the middle of the day actually makes sense from, like, a you're sweating a ton and Gatorade doesn't exist yet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. And it's also, especially in these, like, periods of time where, like, getting enough calories was a, a problem, it makes sense that you would want to get some of your calories via a drink. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, we talked about it with chocolate, but by the 18th century, uh, people were drinking chocolate and coffee in the U.S. and Britain once, you know, we had pillaged the appropriate countries to get that. Mm -hmm. And then basically all of these local flavors that I've listed were later made carbonated locally. And so... Like, when we talk about soda flavors, I was trying to do, like, general trends at first. And then it was like, oh, no. It's just, like, D what, what was popular in your region. Yeah. And then they carbonated it. <laughs> That's it. That makes total sense. So I've always thought of sarsaparilla being, like, the oldest kind of soda pop that, that America no. had. <laughs> That's funny, though. Because the Old West is when society began, right? Oh, yeah, and yeah. Sarsaparilla is like a root, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there was yeah. stuff like that being done everywhere, roots and leaves and... Yeah, we'll get to that with the American portion. We have I have a whole section on soda fountains in America, and I think that's probably where sarsaparilla and the, and the such came, because bottled sodas came way later. Right. What's the delineation at this point between, like, a sweetened tea versus... For our purposes, it's if it has carbonation. Yeah. But... For in, in like their time, I feel like part of it is like we communicate globally now. And so words mean things at a global scale. Mm -hmm. But like pre-internet, it was hard for things like a word to have the same meaning locale to locale. After Joseph, so Joseph Priestley, who we talked about, invented carbonated water like being made mechanically in 1767. And then Schweppes, who we still know invented the Geneva Systems Apparatus in 1789, which popularized the ability to carbonate water uh, within, like, a factory. Mm -hmm. And so after that, carbonated beverages keep popping up in markets all over the world. But before then, and then still now, fermented drinks that have natural carbonation are still... It's interesting because if you look at, like, recipe books and, like, how people delineate these naturally occurring carbonated beverages 
often are grouped with still beverages, and they are separate from CO2 carbonation. Oh, okay. So people don't con- have never really considered kombucha soda in like yeah. the traditional sense. Can you not exactly. do kombucha in the through? Well, yeah. How is the process different? Yeah, you you're just introducing bacteria, right? Yeah, kombucha is bacteria versus uh, like, creating versus it's just it's like, yeast, just like pudding. CO2. Like literally shoving it. It's impregnation is the term they used, (laughs) if I remember correctly. Yeah. So they'll use, uh, for kombucha, it's bacteria and yeast, and it's thought to have originated in China. That's all it, (laughs) that's as far as it goes. Do you know where where the term kombucha is from? Like what? In Japanese, the term, the term kombucha refers to a kelp tea. Oh, cool. But it's it's a completely different beverage, but it is associated with kombucha elsewhere in the world. The etymology of the exact word is uncertain. However, it's speculated that it's a misapplied loan word from Japanese. Huh. So even though it's a different thing, it was English speakers got confused about <laughs> what the word kombucha yeah. was referring well, I also, to. I feel like there was a trend in like the 70s and 80s to yes. take Asian words and just apply yep. them to things, <laughs> yes. especially in like health food circles. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, that was definitely a thing. And then that was where we got all the weird like seaweed diet stuff too. Mm. That was just like, have as much salt as possible and then you will lose all water weight, <laughs> which is bad. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Turns out you need the water, even if it adds to your weight. Uh, in early 19th century American cookbooks, there were these things they called cooling drinks. And so at this point, uh, they weren't like commercially available. Sparkling drinks wouldn't have been in a cookbook. But in the cookbook, they put still lemonade next to this, <laughs> this thing called cream nectar, which was a frothed egg white and... Uh, tartaric acid, so just bicarb, and sugar and wintergreen <laughs> to make this, like, fizzy, cooling drink. What is wintergreen? Like, like uh, think of, like, spearmint. Like, it's just, like, a, a type of mint. Oh, a variety of mint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it I've sound- heard of, like, egg creams before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Egg Eggs were popping up everywhere in sodas for a bit there, and I'm, I'm a little, like, <gasps> buy it. But maybe yeah. I need to just try one. Well, I mean, you whip an egg enough and it's a meringue. Like That's true. As long as But did would they put the yolk of the egg in it too? It was usually just egg whites, but yeah. I know I read there was like manly drinks that included yolks. Of course. Well, and there's yeah. like hangover cures and stuff that I've seen in movies before. Oh so. yeah. Def- well, you need that protein, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's just hydration. It's just I feel like 9 times out of 10 if someone's like this drink is magic, it's like, "Oh, it has it has sugar and salt, the thing my body needs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's that, all it is. <laughs> that makes total sense. Um, in the 19th century in U.S. and Europe, patent medicines became a thing. Individually packaged items were kind of new. Like, before this time, you would go to the store and you would ask your grocer, like, oh, can I have a pound of oatmeal? And they would get the oatmeal out of a barrel for you, right? Mm-hmm. So even if the oatmeal in the barrel was a brand, which it usually wasn't, like, that branding was less important. It was more important that your grocer was trustworthy <laughs> per, like, weighing or whatever. Yeah, And yeah. so patent yeah. medicines were this thing where suddenly people are packaging individual, like, objects, such as a bottle or 
a powder or whatever, and they can put whatever they want on there. Whatever you want can go on the box. You can say that this thing cures death because no one's checking you and all you want is to sell your your thing. So they're called patent medicines, um, medicine in air quotes. Many of these tonics included <laughs> alcohol, opio- <laughs> opiates, and also just like carbonation because carbonation mm-hmm. in such a like a pure form was still kind of like fashionable and new. And we talked about this in Sparkling Water, but the idea of like taking the waters and like going to like a spa and drinking their sparkling water was considered like healing. And so you just make, you just take some water from the ground, you carbonate it, you put it in a bottle and you're like, this is healthy too. Done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is bad. And I see how that's bad, but it also feels like easier to sift through than a lot of stuff now, which I feel like companies do the exact same thing and just fail it in a certain way. Like the whole organic. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. Um, Versus back then you were just like, well, at least this thing. At least they're upfront about what they want me to think. Did they have to list? Did they have to list ingredients? No. Yeah. Okay, well then that okay. That so is that's something bad, that's something well I'll like talk more about it at the end, but some of these medicines have been looked at I did air quotes. Some of these medicines have been looked at recently, like old, you know, bottles and stuff, and it turns out they have like they'd like pulverize marbles and put it in to like give <laughs> a pretty color. So you're drinking glass, right? Or they'd have other things that were like undigestible. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, to be yeah. clear, I support the Food and Drug Administration. <laughs> we this need podcast, one of those. This podcast supports the Food and Drug Administration. They should start putting that on all their labels. Like underneath, when on products, when it says mm-hmm. FDA approved, in like even smaller letters, it should say Tegan and Becca. <laughs> FDA approved Tegan and Becca. Be more specific. <laughs> um, pop was being sold on the streets of England as early as 1822, including ginger beer. And so sold it's interesting. Yeah, so they would have these. This is so exciting. They would have these, like, proto-soda soda fountains where it's, like, it was, like, a horse-drawn box <laughs> with liquid in it. And they would, use, they would have tubes, and they'd fill it up, like, on the street. And in 1851, the London Great Exhibition showcased the Schweppes Company, uh, their various beverage options, including a 27-foot-tall crystal fountain with sparkling water. (laughs) Oh, I want to see that. And, okay, well, if you want to see it, look at Schweppes packaging today because they still have a picture of that fountain on a lot of their material. What? Yeah. (laughs) But down the road, branding is so great. It it, well, they've been around forever. They basically started the game. That's true. But down the street from the Great London Exhibition, there were those local street sellers of um, pop, and then also this is when factory bottle drinks start popping up around England. Um, But there was this weird thing where there was there's like a class divide where they decided that people who drank still lemonade were higher class than the lowly ginger beer drinkers. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, like it was like, there's all these quotes where it's like, 
a, a pious young woman only drinks lemonade. Like, <laughs> still, still, lemonade is but, also sounds so much easier to manufacture. I was thinking about it, and I feel like now, like, when's the last time you saw a celebrity with a big gulp besides Sarah Palin? Um, besides Sarah Palin, I but saw you know Kristen I mean? Chenoweth get one at a Seven Eleven on TikTok. But it's but she's like, not like a massive celebrity. No. But I, I feel think like the closest we have is Ben Affleck getting so much Duncan. Yeah, that's true. But it's I feel like we still have that concept of like, oh, sodas for the low class. Carbonation I is for the low right. class. Well, okay, but LaCroix. You see celebrities with LaCroix. That's constantly. true. And I think that's a because what do they call LaCroix soda? I doubt it. They probably no, it's say sparkling I, like, I need water. my sparkling water. But LaCroix soda, like <laughs> Every definition, LaCroix is soda. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's all about branding. It's all about branding. Um, by the mid-19th century, there were more than 50 soft drink manufacturers, not just flavors, manufacturers in Britain. But mm-hmm. in 1888, an English woman said, this is a quote from, they didn't say who the English woman was. It, had, uh, it was like a newspaper article, so, you know. But she said, if some genius would invent something cheap, healthy, palatable, and without alcohol in it, I, for one, will patronize him widely and give him honorable mention. So even though there's all these manufacturers, there wasn't a lot of variety, I guess. Yeah. Like, it was all kind of same It same. either had alcohol or something or something. Um, yeah. A question I do have. So a lot of this history is happening in Europe. Yes. Is it happening mainly in, like urban centers like is soda yeah. less popular in rural areas yeah that's that's the vibe i got is that just because the manufacturing process and then also if you're bottling stuff by this point we're still having issues keeping bottled drinks carbonated like yeah. the pressurization is an issue um yeah. the cob bottle fix that fixes that which you can still see in like ramoon the, with the marble. Oh yeah. That's why that's why the marble bottle concept exists. It was an early solution to keeping carbonation in bottles. And now it's just like a novelty. Why does that work any better than any other bottle? So if you just do a bottle and you close it, at this time they were, it like getting a proper seal was difficult and then mm-hmm. having the product retain the amount of carbonation over time because they they couldn't pressurize them as they bottled them, which is what we do now. Right. Yeah. So when you open a soda bottle, the reason why it hisses is because the atmosphere in the bottle is lower pressure than the atmosphere out. Yeah. But like, so did the marble just... Yeah, it just creates a better seal. And I, I, I don't fully understand the physics of it, but that's it's, it's cited as like, okay. look... A, a win for invention or whatever. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. But it's called the Cobb bottle because a guy named Cobb invented it. Shout out to Cobb. <laughs> nice, nice work, Cobb. Um, now to go across the pond. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so sure. we did a lot of England, but we're going to now look at America. And like I said, soda is just so regional. And we're in the Drinks. 19th century, right? Yeah, we're going to yeah, yeah, jump... Yeah. Yeah, we're jumping to 1807, so we're at the beginning of the 19th century in America. Um, pharmacists. Yeah, and everything, and everything is still in glass bottles, right? Yes, completely. Yeah. And, but they, and it is individually packaged at this point? 
Um, it can be at like the end of the 19th century. It can be, but it was still, there was like, there was contention between people drinking, like like the bottle drink makers versus the fountain drink sellers. Oh, Those, okay. They're like considered like kind of two different things at this point. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Thank you. So in America, you have pharmacists. And pharmacists uh-huh. at this time would make their own, like they would get the instructions or they would create the medicines like by mixing salts, flavorings, and um, other things to make medicines palatable, right? And so they have access to all these like root ingredients. And so then they started, this carbonated water thing is catching on and it's supposed to be healthy, right? Because of the spas and, oh, taking the waters or whatever. Well, and because it tastes better. Yeah, and it tastes better. It's a party in your mouth. (laughs) There's there's so many, like, uh, there were so many articles I read where it was like, early soft drinks had people feel like there were needles in their stomach. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also, this is, it's it's related because it's related to soda. It seems like the countries where soda is most readily adopted are also countries where burping is considered a healthful thing to do. Interesting. Like, in America, for the most part, if you burp, it's like, oh, that's settling your stomach. Like, ginger beer is good for an upset stomach because of the bubbles, right? This mm-hmm. idea that, like, that is in, in, in and of itself medicinal. Um, whereas in places like Japan burping is rude like you don't you don't do that in public it's not healthy it means something's <laughs> wrong yeah yeah and so sometimes like there was a couple places where it was like oh this wasn't as readily accepted in india and i was like oh weird why and then i would keep reading and i was like oh it's the burping thing again like it just kept on being <laughs> the like oh a cultural shift and then once the culture shifted to like burping being fine then suddenly they're cool with soft drinks like <laughs> Yeah, it's all the social contract. (laughs) Yeah. So pharmacists are mixing stuff up, and so they start making uh, these concoctions with carbonated water. Oh. In 1807, a pharmacist, Townsend Speakman in Philadelphia, sold nephrite julep, which was a soda made of fruit juice and soda water. And so that's, I just, nephrite julep. Julep. So nephrite refers to the nephrons. (laughs) which are part of the kidney. Oh. <laughs> so it's it's literally being marketed as, like, it's good for you. It's a medicine, right? Yeah. And, like, generally speaking, so you, so you talked about beer being, like, helpful because of its electrolytes, but mo- most of this stuff is probably, like, net neutral, right? Yeah. It's just, like, a fun – it's, like, a fun little drink. Yeah. And, and as, as a beverage girly – there's value in a fun little drink, but there's also, it's not going to cure your kidney disease. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, in the summer of 1809 in New York is when, like, soda fountains as a place to hang out really took off. Um, there was a push to make these soda fountains more than just a place you would, like, get a soda from. It was a place you would, like, sit at and hang out, and they would try to uh, position them near parks so you could, like, get a drink, go on a walk, come back. Um, Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why soda and medicine continued to be so interconnected, even while we're, like, they're making it, like, a social activity, is because mineral water was still viewed as medicine and was still used in a lot of these drinks and then advertised as, like, a calming thing. Or there's, there's ads for 
a little bit later on, but not that far ahead. Seven Up being advertised as like regulating your emotions. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, there's just that there's this idea that like this thing is is bubbly and it's weird and it's colorful and it must do something right (laughs) and so it sounds like a lot of these developments in soda pop making were more commercial like there wasn't a really a really robust scientific community around. oh definitely yeah this is definitely like a commercial i feel like i can't think i was trying to think of another food that follows a similar trajectory of like It's like the evolutionary trajectory of, like, rapid diversification until we settle on a few types, right? But, like, I can't Mm – maybe pizza? Like, the American concept of pizza? Where we had – there were wild – there's wild stuff going on with pizza at the beginning where they were just putting whatever they could on those things. And now it's like, oh, well, we have, like, the standard 12 toppings, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess – that's interesting to consider because, like, we consider food to be, like, so diverse and endless, and it does feel like worldwide drinks are at least a little bit more standardized. Yes. Yeah, I agree. The concept of a lemon or, like, an acidic beverage, whether that be lemon or lime or whatever, I feel like is kind of everywhere. Orange, yeah. even. And I feel like it may be because, like, practically every beverage is just bored of water yeah yeah (laughs) um and there's only i mean there's still like a million variations but there's still only so many variations on water yeah yeah versus like you have all of the different grains all of the different vegetables all of the different meats all of the yeah so on and so forth yeah i guess you you could start doing a legend of zelda thing and start making like meat water (laughs) ew that totally just take every pre-existing food that exists and And add add it it to water and add it in endless combinations (laughs) and you'll get something new well that's how you get your hangover cure just a yolk and a glass of water it's so gross um something so it's like we're kind of kind of like poking fun at i feel like we all do this we poke fun at like oh, look, they were so dumb, they thought soda made them healthy, right? But, like, I want to point out that modern society does exactly the same thing, where it's like, oh, this is fashionable and healthy. And it's like, face masks most of the time don't do anything for you. Like, facials don't do really much. Do you remember when getting IV infusions was, like, the hot thing that celebrities would do? I do. I like, do remember. We still got some of that going. We do. On. Gwyneth still does it. Gwyneth. Gwyneth does whatever she pleases, and she says soda yeah. is poison. Um, <laughs> and she's like, "But I'm going to be putting this directly into my veins." Thank you very much. Yeah, she is a character. She is. I just, I think it's so funny. Like even, even me. I'm. I was reading this, and I was like, "Oh wow," you know. Oh yeah, sitting in sitting in bubbly water is so healthy for you. And then at the same time, I'm like, oh, if I get the organic thing, is it better? Like even though I know, I'm like, but is it? Yeah. Well, so then, what's your take on stuff like green tea having antioxidants and like things like that? I think most foods you can find a benefit to, but I think mm-hmm. consuming food should be based more on like pleasure than we allow it to a lot of the times like in modern day and like drink green tea if you like it but if you're drinking it like it's medicine then maybe you would be better off like 
And you'd probably like drink more plain water or like, I don't know, do do what makes you happy. Yeah. And I still think moderation makes sense, you know? Yeah. No, I, I think I think you're right. And, and just having like a diverse diet is really important for most yes. things. I guess if you're like training as an athlete for a very specific thing, then maybe there are diets that are then it's usually like, just be like more helpful to you in that respect. Yeah. But that And even then you're, you're just, those <laughs> diets are usually like, oh, eat like four times the amount of carbs that a normal person probably would or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Um, another thing so is much protein. Like, if you think about pretty much any food except for soda, you can like if you Google, is chocolate bad for you? There are all these studies that are like, well, actually, well, actually, it's fine. And then if you look up like I don't know meat, why meat is good? There's a bunch of things saying, oh, it's good, oh, it's bad. But with soda, I think our cultural connotation of soda is so negative. That it's ruined yeah. any nuanced conversation we could have. That's fair. Because everything, there was even this one article that was like, you may think soda gives you energy, but it's just the sugar. Ba 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 ba. And I was like, we're ignoring caffeine. Like, <laughs> we're just, we're just going to pretend it doesn't exist. Like, I was trying to yeah. find an article that was like, you know, here's, here's reasons why it's a problem and here's reasons why it's less of a problem. And all I could find was, think pieces on how soda is like destroying American society or whatever. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't necessarily think that the soda culture that has arisen specifically in Utah is, healthy. is the healthiest no. thing in the world. No. Well, that's the same <laughs> Where moderation. You, you get like a a 64 ounce every morning to keep you going. But that's that is definitely the extreme. Exactly. I think for most people, <laughs> and there was also, there was this article, I'll, I'll have it linked, but it's a, um, it was, someone said, I left poverty behind, but I'm taking my soda. And it was, <laughs> she wrote about how like, she was trying to stretch money to make ends meet. And if she went to McDonald's, like getting a dollar extra large soft drink, like those calories were important to her at the time. And now- she just doesn't want to, like, abandon, like, the flavor that brought her, like, so much comfort, essentially. She was like, I was able to get so much for so little money, and now I don't need to do that. But, like, I'm still going to, you know, have a Coke when I – even if I'm eating out at, like, a fancy restaurant because I want to remember, like, where I came from. And I was like, what? that's really, like, soda as culture or as, like, a – a marker of class is very interesting to me. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, especially, like, jumping back to 1809 in New York, soda fountains were, like, cool. Even my grandma, she, like, she's talked to me before about how she would always go to the soda fountain and get a chocolate Coke because she loved her chocolate Cokes. And everyone uh-huh. would just, like, chat and hang out. Like, it was kind of like how we think of, like, I feel like coffee shops nowadays. Only more extroverted. I feel like coffee shops yeah. are kind of introverted. <laughs> did you ever did you ever read the Archie comics? Yes, I did. Like Yeah. So they were they were even, I guess, a big thing in like the two thousands. But I my dad had some from like the sixties and seventies. Nice. And like I think they grew out of I think that they maybe started in the fifties and like the main hangout it was Pops in is is Pop's chocolate yeah. shop. Yeah. <laughs> and I never really knew what that meant, but I'm pretty sure it's just referencing a type of soda. Yes. Like a like a fountain. Yeah. I think it's a soda shop, fountain and then it be over time it morphed into like a diner burger store cuz that was more yeah. a burger store. I'm going to go to the burger store. <laughs> 
Uh. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's so cute. The idea of, like, a town watering hole. Yes. That people connect at. Ugh, so cute. No, it's, I mean, it does, it does definitely still exist and find community where you can. But it, yeah, I. I over, over beverages is not a bad way to go. I love a beverage. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the 1870s, so uh, we started 1809, but by the 1870s, American towns in like newspapers are competing to have the biggest and most elaborate soda fountains as technology started making <laughs> You know, the not quite where we're at, but, like, they almost look like organs <laughs> where they have, like, tubes oh, and yeah? stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I'll actually – I have a picture. I wonder if I can drop it in the chat for you because I'm going to post Honestly, it. Honestly, yeah, drop it in the chat. Drop, drop it in the chat. Um, the way that soda fountains still operate, like, amazes me. That there's, like, yes. tubs of, like, flavoring and then you, like – Oh, they're not tubs, they're bags. It's so crazy. Okay. Bags. I don't know. It just, like, gets so crazy. So, notably, at this time, so in America, soda is is becoming this, like, here, you can see the picture. Look at that. (gasps) That's so cool. It's so ornate. And then I'll make you look at the other pictures. Here's a woman pouring alcohol from her cane to a cup (laughs) during Prohibition. Queen. And then, oh yeah, ooh. let's talk about prohibition. Oh, we'll get there. Ask about that. It, it, I'll, it'll be just a second. Um, <laughs> this is important though. So in Europe, sodas retained their like medicinal quality that we had talked about, whereas in America, soda was officially made to delight. And comments were made <laughs> in Paris newspapers about how um, soda is uniquely American. Like even in Paris, they were like, soda is American because it appeals to all. Yeah. This like the this idea of like soda being democratic in some way <laughs> because there's so many different flavors that there's something for everyone. And in America, it's not it's very individualist. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like, oh, what you get determines how healthful you are. It's like, no, it's just what you like. And so Canada had similar soda fountains. Hedonism. <laughs> Canadians. Mm-mm-mm. They had similar soda <laughs> fountains. Um, but other countries, like literally everywhere else tended to sell soda in fountains as an American oddity. And they had, like, soda shop names were things like New York Place or, you know, American American fizzy drinks. Like, they, it, it was sold as almost like, like, we talk about how, oh, do other countries have, like, American diners? And the answer is, like, they do. And it started as soda shops. Oh, funny. Like, even though this drink started in Europe and was like a European thing, it became completely American. Yeah. Yeah. Frederick Marriott reports reported on the profusion and variety of drinks available in New York City in 1837, saying there were so many drinks that nothing but the luxuriance of American English could invent a word. Uh, so, so he didn't have a word for it? He just gave up? Yeah. <laughs> By the late 1800s, the flavor list of sodas started getting crazy. And so one flavor list included, in addition to more than 25 fruits, so we got our 25 fruits, and then we got, ready for this? Almond, anise, celery, champagne, cider, cinnamon, cognac, coffee, coriander, cream soda, egg, phosphate, grenadine, whorehound, maple, mead, mint, julep, mocha, nutmeg, orris root, peppermint, pistachio, raspberry, vinegar, rose, violet, walnut cream, and wintergreen. If I had more time, I would confront you about many of those. But first, whorehound? 
Yeah. Is that like I a like root? The, I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is a root. I'm going to look it up real quick. White whorehound is a flowering plant in the mint family. So another variety of mint. We're all about our mints here. I could go for a whorehound, like, drink, beverage. I think I think a lot of these flavors still pop up in, like, cocktail making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, but not in soda. Yeah. Um, it's it's pronounced cognac. Did I say how did I say it? Cognac? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. To be fair, I was reading that list and I was like, come on, Tegan, let's yeah, get it. Yeah, you were just it. like syllables. <laughs> <laughs> syllables. <laughs> um, so adding acid phosphate is what made things sour. And so the idea of a sour drink became like was super popular. Huh. Um and of course, there was a weird gender divide. <laughs> Sour drinks, eggs, or bitter drinks were men's, whereas <laughs> cream or f- chocolate sodas were feminine. It's like Stormlight Archive. Yeah, it feels we're, a little bit like only the men wines. get spicy food. Yeah. Which I guess is weirdly based in fact. It is. <sighs> well, yeah, you don't want your humors to get misaligned, Becca. Gosh. Yeah. And as women, <laughs> our humors are fundamentally weaker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My uterus is constantly like, just roving. It's, I don't know where it is right now. I've misplaced it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Don't look behind you. <laughs> <laughs> um, drinks were also graced with fanciful names. So I, here are some of my favorites. Uh, Persian Sherbert, Ambrosia Frapp, Bowler's Favorite, and Hyde Park Talio. Hyde Park Talio. We're going to have to Park- recreate that. <laughs> let's i want to drink hyde park talio now so desperately um no these like sodas also there's this record of in the early 1900s this drink called the auto smash because like automobiles like were like it, this the book refers to it as americans love affair with automobiles um <laughs> but the drink auto smash consisted of bloody looking strawberry and grape syrup over shaved ice oh my god <laughs> that's so funny and morbid Isn't and that- horrifying <laughs> so bad so in the 1920s with prohibition hopefully there's less auto smashing um but fizzy drinks got even more popular yeah, and there's of this quote from the trade journal drug topics the bar is dead, the fountain lives, and soda is king. I love print journalism for it's that so, reason. Because then you get so quotes good. like that. And we're still, like, I don't know, all the stupid think pieces that The Atlantic always has yes. going on that are ultimately meaningless in the grand scheme of things, but they capture a moment. <laughs> they really Boy, do. do they. Boy, do they capture that moment. And then, okay, so this will be where I reference. um, People would also sneak alcohol into soda shops pretty commonly during Prohibition to make their own cocktails. And um, I have a photo that I'll post of this woman just absolutely cheesing at the camera, pouring alcohol from a cane. Yes. (laughs) Into her cup. She's such a queen. I love her. I'm so proud of her. (laughs) Um, So jumping back a bit in time to look at Japan... Uh, Japan didn't have soda before the 1860s, but in the 1860s, it was forcibly opened by the West. Ugh. And that's when fizzy lemonade was introduced. CC and lemon. it was. <laughs> yeah. It's the best it was... in the world. And it's like mostly a Japanese thing. Yeah. Um, it was introduced so early that some Japanese people still credit Commodore Matthew Perry with having brought it over. 
That's the name of an actor, isn't it? Uh, no. Oh, well, it might be. Well, also I mean, the name obviously, of an actor. it's not the same guy, but I. <laughs> no, Matthew Perry was the American naval officer who he oh, so he just know, played like, a leading exactly role. Exactly who? That's what's notable yeah. about it. Yeah, he played a leading role in. It's called the Perry Expedition, and that's what ended ja- uh, Japan's isolationism. I should. Ooh. You got it. I believe in you. Isolationism. Got it. There we go. Wow. She's a biologist. Um, Even today, a lot of Japanese people have mixed feelings about carbonation, yet they embrace fizzy lemonade. That's that was something that they noted is that like, I guess. Yeah, I've never been to Japan. You can tell. (laughs) Tell us. Um, How was soda? Well, I don't have. Yeah, you're not I, I an cannot expert. represent a country, obviously, from a vacation I took, but um, they would have Sprite and Coca-Cola everywhere, mm. and they'd had vending machines everywhere, but, like, yeah. most of those vending machines were mostly different teas. Got it. Yeah. They, it, it wasn't soda as much, except CC Lemon, which is delightful. Um, also in Japanese, similar to kombucha, actually, where it, it turns out kombucha is a Japanese word. Um, lemonade sounds roughly like ramun, ramune, oh, and cool. sodas called ramun are made by multiple companies. I thought <gasps> ramun was one company. I it's just too. it's it's a it's like a na- it's like a flavor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying soda. You're acting you're, you're acting like you just like discovered like well I don't know a dinosaur. It feels, <laughs> it feels like someone should have told me that. Yeah. Because you go to stores and it's like, oh, you can buy a Ramoon. And it's like, oh, yeah, I want one of those. I know what that means. No. It just means soda. That is funny. Good um, to know. All over the world, there are soft drink companies that began in the late 1880s through the 1920s. That was kind of like when, like the boom, essentially. Um, Inca Cola from Peru was created uh, by a yeah. British immigrant. Mm-hmm. So there's there's the first tie back. Um Guarana Antarctica has been made in Brazil since the 1920s. In Australia in 1876, um, English immigrant William Bickford opened a pharmacy. Um, And then after his death, his wife and son expanded their family company to include aerated waters. And that became like where like sodas really like took off in Australia. Aerated waters. That's such an Australian thing to say. It is. So now in the book... The next chapter of the book was called Big Soda, which made me laugh really hard. Okay, well, we got to cover um, it in 10 minutes. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm going. A pharmacist, Charles Alderton, in 1885, created a carbonated drink that boasted 23 ingredients in its secret recipe. I've it was neither a fruit drink or guess. a Coca-Cola in flavor. <laughs> it was advertised as a solar energy liquid sunshine that would provide vim, vigor, and vitality. And was a brain tonic. Any guesses? Is it is it Mr. Shasta? <laughs> yeah, it's Mr. Shasta. <laughs> Whatever that's called. <laughs> Mrs. It's Mrs. Shasta. Oh, well, my bad. No, they got married. Good for her. Um, uh, so it's Dr. Dr. Pepper. Pepper. Yay. Coca-Cola was actually a year later. Didn't realize Dr. I didn't Pepper's know that. a year older. Huh. Right? So it started as a secret recipe in 1886, but was mainly advertising. The book is so mean about this. They're like, nothing is special about Coca-Cola. It's just good at advertising. 
And I was like, okay, they, you got to give him something, like, like a some little credit. credit. Yeah. yeah, that's hilarious. Um, so apparently there was a French cocaine wine that was made by the same guy, John S. Pemberton, who created Coca-Cola. Um, but in 1885, Atlanta voted to go dry. So a year later, Pemberton added <laughs> caffeine and cocaine to his drink, but it was so bitter, he just started add or adding flavorings. And it doesn't seem like there's any, like, rhyme or reason yeah. to how Coca-Cola, like, the flavor was created. Yeah, which but, is interesting because now it's, like, the platonic ideal of the soda that is known as cola. Exactly. Um, it, it just, it really started this idea, this, like, cola idea um, with huh. a lot of them originally had cocaine. Most cocaine was removed by 1891. Mm -hmm. But there was an interview where he was like a little iffy on when the cocaine went away. So yeah, some shady. people are like. Um, other companies immediately began to formulate colas based on the same combination of spice and vanilla. In 1898, Brad's drink was made. Um, and then was later renamed Pepsi Cola. Yeah, that's uh, Our, that's better. I like Brad's drink. You want some Brad's? Um, our, hey, you want some? That sounds like just like a like a beer. I like a brewery. Yeah, Brad. Oh, like Mike's. Mike's oh, that's lemonade. true. Anyway, um, yeah. by the turn of the 20th century, there are about 80 named colas in the U.S. Oh. So whistle. now, no, I can't whistle. Yeah. I forgot how bad whistling sounds on the mic. <laughs> whistle, whistle. Imagine. Um, let's see, let's see. Coke is a measuring tool against which other drinks are compared. And I just kind of want to talk real quick about, so Coca-Cola survived through the war, like both, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One and Do two. Dose wars, yeah. And the reason they survived, because during, it was sugar rationing, right, for both. Uh -huh. And Coke just avoided this issue completely. So Woodruff really liked Coke. <laughs> And then Roosevelt also said soft drinks were part of the American way of life. Eisenhower, MacArthur, and Patton argued that Coca-Cola shortage would cause an increase in the consumption of alcohols. So there was a focus on keeping Coke alive. Yeah. And they also said Coke was necessary to sustain morale among the troops. And that so they would ship Coke. <laughs> yeah, they would ship Coke with soldiers. And that's how Coca-Cola got to Fiji, Papua New Guinea, and Vanuatu. And notably, when I was in Vanuatu, Coke is everywhere. Hmm. Everywhere. Mm. It's huge. And I know it's huge in Fiji. Do they have any manufacturing facilities in the Pacific? Or is it still all shipped from the U.S.? Want to know why they have manufacturing facilities? The U.S. government, like, moved factories piece by piece during the war so they could to manufacture the overseas. Wow. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. so interesting. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> um, there's also the book pointed out that the identification of soda as American gave it a place in the civil rights movement because when there was the sit-in of black protesters at the whites only lunch yeah. counter, um, they ordered and then were denied Coke and hamburger, which is like, that's American. That's the symbol of what it means to participate wow, in American yeah. culture. Like so discriminating yeah. against you can't even buy something. You can't even participate exactly. in capitalism. That's so Yeah. So uh. But yeah, that's I feel like that's gives like the shape of the history of yeah. soda. Um soda being American is kind of part of this like Coca-Cola colonizate colonization. Co colonization. Just act like you did it. Colonization. On yeah. 
Coca-Cola colonization. Coca-Cola am I right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you know, and probably a lot of our listeners know, The Gods Must Be Crazy, that movie that has received a lot of criticism and a lot of praise <laughs> for it. Basically, it has uh, a bunch of the San people, also known as Bushmen, in Africa, they're living without knowledge of the outside world. And then a Coca-Cola bottle drops from a passing airplane and they like regard it as a god. But it's... Whoa, I've never heard of that. It's definitely like obviously an oversimplification of a very like, you know, storied and interesting culture. But it also highlights how soda for a lot of cultures was kind of like soda and other foods are yeah. kind of the entryway well, also, I feel, to American yeah, ideals. Yeah, also I feel like more than anything that that reveals how Americans view a product. Yes. <laughs> like only yes, somebody completely. who views product in that way can write a script like that. <laughs> yes. A compl- yeah, I 100% agree. Um, Mecca Cola, the most famous of the anti-Coca-Colas, was, is now distributed in 64 countries, was created in France in 2002 after the United States invasion of Iraq as a protest. And so a lot of countries will actually drink anti-Coca-Cola or people will choose to not drink Coca-Cola as a way to protest against That's America. So cool. I um I yeah. thank you so much. I realize that I also have to account for exporting the file, so I should go. Oh, you can rip. also Okay, you, I'm so I, sorry. This will never happen again and I'll be better in the future, but can you just uh <laughs> outro? I'll do an outro. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Go. I have a, I have like a little paragraph I'll finish yes. for our listeners, but bye bye Becca. You. I this love was fun. you. Hold on. We'll record again soon, and we'll talk if we don't. You know, whatever. I love our listeners. Yeah. I love you. This was fun. Okay. My See also, I have finished my Waterloo. That's my outro. It was pretty good. Wow. That's the conclusion. Yeah. Good. Okay. Bye. Bye. So now that Becca's gone, it's just us. Um, I just wanted to finish up by talking about the modern SodaScape. New soda fountains kind of visually resemble soda fountains of old, even though they don't necessarily have to. Um, and then also this push for, like, special edition flavors. Um, I'm sure you've seen it with, like, Dr. Pepper, like the cream soda. I know Becca likes that one. It, it's just kind of reminiscent of these, like, soda fountains where you would go and buy uh, different types of soda. Um, and you would get, you know, your own flavoring. Same with the the Coca-Cola, like, mix-up machines or what the freestyle it just kind of has soda fountain energy, like old soda fountain energy. There's also been a push for novelty soda, such as Rocket Fizz and Jones Soda, where they make, you know, it's Thanksgiving dinner in a bottle. And then finally, calling back to like the themes of soda as medicine, modernly there's Olipop and other like probiotic health tonic sodas. So instead of, you know, choosing kombucha, which is also a probiotic, uh, there's been a push to make soda more of that like health conscious drink, um, which is really interesting. Yeah. Now I feel weird. I'm so alone and I don't know how to finish this, but yeah, I like Dr. Pepper. Um, I think it's fine. Drink soda in moderation. Don't go like crazy, but also don't feel guilty. Yeah. You don't, no one deserves to feel guilty for a food they enjoy, but yeah, that's soda, baby. Um, crack a can open for me. (laughs) Bye.